this, but if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in indeed. He said, I can't. Man, I hear many whispers around me, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me. Somebody say, the Lord is with me. Come on, say it with faith. Somebody say, the Lord is with me. The Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. You need to get a mental picture in your mind that you walk around with armed security everywhere you go as if you were a celebrity, a Kardashian, or a president. There's two six-foot-six brothers all around you. The Lord is with me, a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced, their dishonor will never be forgotten. God, speak to us. God, transform us. Take us one step closer, God, to the purpose that you have for us. And heal Lamar Jackson. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Pray for your pastor and his broken purple heart. We're in week two of a series that we started, or actually week three of a series that we started called Brick by Brick. Somebody say Brick by Brick. And the whole idea of this series is having an intentional approach to rebuilding our faith. Whether it was the storm of 2020, whether it was a health storm, a financial storm, storms just come in life. And we may not realize it, but when you encounter a storm, it causes damage. It, it, it causes damage to our psyche. It causes damage to our faith. It causes damage to our relationships. And if we're not intentional about rebuilding, it's going to stay in the damaged state that it is our uh, interpersonal skills have been damaged by 2020. I have never fist bumped an elder in my life. I mean, I was raised right. I'm not from the South, but I was raised like I was. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I hold doors for ladies. I do not fist bump people that are older than me. You shake their hand. You honor them, and I'm here elbowing my grandma and all this other kind of stuff. We just don't know how to act anymore. And if we're not careful to rebuild every area of our lives, particularly our faith, we're going to live in a completely damaged life from here on out. I don't know if you've ever traveled to some countries that have experienced hurricanes or storms or just some type of tragedy, but if you've ever been there and you've been in an area that experienced a tragedy but never rebuilt after, it's one of the saddest things you've ever seen. A place that's supposed to have life and vitality, but yet it seems like there's nothing but death and despair. We have to be intentional to rebuild our faith. And today, I want to add another brick that is vital to the building of your faith, and that is passion. 
Somebody say passion. You will not have a vital faith without passion for God. The Bible says this. It says, never be lacking in zeal. And then it goes on to say, love one another, be generous towards another, and all these different things that as believers that we're supposed to do. But watch this. It says all that stuff that believers are supposed to do, it starts with your passion. If you're lacking in passion, if you're lacking in zeal, if you're lacking in fervor, it's going to be really difficult for you to live this Christian life. In Revelation chapter 3, God says this. He said, I've examined you and I've found you lacking. He said, I wish you were hot, somebody say passionate, or cold, apathetic. He said, I wish I could put a marker on you if you were on fire for God or if you were completely ignoring God. But he said, you're neither. God said the the worst thing. He said, you're average. He said, you're lukewarm. And he said, because you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. I'm a man of God, so I don't drink tea or coffee. (laughs) Long story. But I I live, I'm surrounded by tea drinkers. They drink iced tea. They drink hot tea. What they do not drink is lukewarm tea. It either needs to be cold tea or hot tea. But tea that is still on the counter, counter for 45 minutes or has gotten lukewarm, it's just like, I can't drink this. I got to heat it up. God says it's the same thing that I'm looking for. I'm for from followers of mine. I'm looking for people that are on fire for God. Or I'm looking for people who can care less about God. Maybe you're like, hey, I'm not on fire for God. I'm not even thinking about God. Guess what? You're right where he wants you to be. Because God says, now I know I need to get your attention. I need to send some believers your way to show you that I am good, that I'm great, that I have a purpose and a plan for your life. God says, when you're ice cold, I know what to do with you. And when you're on fire, I know what to do with you. I just know what to do with you when you're average, lukewarm, apathetic. So before I preach, pull out your phone or pull out a pen. And grade yourself. Put a number down. On a scale of 1 to 10. 1 being ice, baby, ice. (laughs) 10 being zeal for the house of God consumes me. Where do you find yourself? By the way, you're in church. He's watching, so don't lie. Come on now. Last week's message was assess the damage. If you don't know where you are, come on, Baltimore, how do you know where you need to go? And for so many of us, we never slow down in life enough just to get some perspective of where So in your passion for God on a scale of one to ten, knowing five is not where he wants you to be. How would you rate yourself? Moving on, I was thinking, I I grew up back when children had childhoods. What do you mean by that? that? That was back in the day when you actually went outside to play and your friends were not on a headset. 
they lived next door. That's back in the day when you didn't need a clock because you had streetlights. And you knew playtime and bedtime was until that light came on. And when that light came on, it was time to hightail yourself home. Because if you weren't home within five minutes, anybody grew up like that, if you weren't home within five minutes of when the streetlights came on, there were going to be problems to be had. We would ride bikes and rollerblade and all this different kind of stuff. And I was kind of just thinking about it. One of the favorite things that I did as a child was we would play this game called Wipeout, where we would get on bicycles. And by the way, we would not wear helmets. That is why we are as intelligent as we are today. And one person would be on a bike and then another person would have rollerblades on and we would find some piece of rope and we'd strap it to the seat of the bike, kind of like wakeboarding or that you would see out on a lake. And someone would start pedaling on the bike and the person on the back would be on the rollerblades holding on. And the whole idea of the game is if you're on the bike to get the person behind you to wipe, y'all are a bright crowd just to wipe out. And I lived on a cul-de-sac, so there was this area of sidewalk that was a straightaway. And the way you would get them to wipe out on the straightaway is you would pedal so fast that they began to do the stanky leg, and next thing you know, they're out. Or if you couldn't get them to wipe out on the straightaway, as you came into that bend, you would turn to the left really quickly, and then you would whip it to the right. And it would lean them this way, get their weight over here, and then you would throw them into the neighbor's yard. The whole goal was how quickly can I get the person that I'm dragging to wipe out? I feel like sometimes life plays wipe out. It's like how fast can I get life moving? So you begin to do this stanky leg, and you wipe out. And if I can't get you to wipe out, then I'm just going to send some curves your way that throws you off into the neighbor's yard of depression or discouragement or fear. Here's the thing about our passion for God that we don't realize. It's under attack. It's not like you just have passion and zeal and excitement for God and you hold that passion in this little incubator and it never gets affected. Our passion is impacted by life around us. Our passion for God is impacted by distractions. Our passion for God is impacted by disappointments. Our passion for God is impacted by disillusionment, things that we thought were real, things that we thought were going to happen, but in actuality, it wasn't as it appeared and it was never going to happen. And if we're not mindful of the different curves that life can send us that affects our passion, you're going to find yourself in a passionless relationship with God. God says, that's not a place to build faith in. That's not a place where you're going to see the fullness of God in your life. This passage that we were reading, we come across the passage of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, this Christian thing is getting old because it's getting me in trouble. He said, the more I stand up for God, the more haters come. The more I stand up for God, the more problems and persecution and issues and all that other kind of stuff comes my way. By the way, we are in a season of history that you will probably not be able to be biblical and popular at the same time. It will probably cost you something 
to be a passionate follower of God. And just because I'm petty, I'll just add this. If your faith has not cost you something yet, I'm wondering, is your faith biblical? Jeremiah said, I don't even want to talk about God anymore. He said, every time I open my mouth about God, I get in trouble. Every time I try to push people towards God or or highlight his standards or his morals or whatever it may be, he said, I get attacked. Everybody is coming at me. And he says, I don't want to talk anymore. But look what he said in verse 9. He said, when I'm in that moment when I don't want to talk, he said, I can't quit. Here's what passion does. It keeps you from quitting when you want to. Here's what passion does. It keeps you in the game when you're ready to tap out. He says, when I want to give up on God, when I want to stop believing, when I want to stop being a follower of God, he said, I can't quit. For if I say I'll never again mention the Lord, never more speak in his name, then his word is in my heart like fire that burns in my bones and I can't hold it in any longer. He said, listen, when I'm ready to give up on God, I tr-, he said, I actually try to quit on God. Things that we wouldn't say in church, but they say in the Bible. He said, I wish I could be done with God. But when I try to, God's word is in my heart like fire burning in my I'd like to submit to you today that if you've lost your passion, there's a way to get it back. I'd like to submit to you today that if you have your passion, there's a way to sustain it and not lose it. And that key is the word of God. If you could write this down, write this down. God's word, God's word, God's word. The word is fuel. God's word is fuel fuel to the passion that I have for him. There is no motion that does not begin with an exertion of energy. There is nothing that moves. There's nothing that creates without energy first being exerted. When you think about a vehicle, a vehicle doesn't just move. Whether it's an electric vehicle or it is a diesel vehicle or a gas vehicle, there is some type of energy source. There is some type of combustion that happens for that motion to begin. If it's a normal gas vehicle, it has an engine and the engine causes it to move. But that engine is not doing anything without gasoline, a source, a fuel to cause motion to it. Well, hear me, you have an engine, your heart is your engine. The Bible says out of your heart flows the issues, the the momentum, the focus of life. Your heart has has the engine to your life. And contrary to popular belief, the fuel of your heart is not dreams. The fuel of your heart is not hope. The fuel of your heart is not ambition. Can I even push it a little further? The fuel of your heart is not love. I just love everybody. I love the birds. I love the trees. I just, I just love. No. You can love, but it's not going to bring a passion for God and a passion for life. Here's the fuel of your passion. The fuel of your life is the word of God. God's word, uh, Jeremiah said, it is like 
fire that is fueling my passion for God. So quite simply, if I don't have God's word in my heart, then I will not have a passion for God. Me and my wife moved into a new house about two years ago now. The house was 22 years old when we moved in. So it's a beautiful house, but it's kind of aged and there's a lot going on. But one of the things we were excited about is this house had an original fireplace. Not a gas one where you flip a switch and and it's just there when you're done with the fire, like you turn it off. Like it was one of those things. And you got you gotta understand where, where I come from, we 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 play with fire. <laughs> I, I never had a fireplace. So we 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 move in and we, we kind of moved in in May actually, so it wasn't fire season, but as soon as we got in November, December, we looked at each other like, should we light this thing? She looks at me like, if you burn my house to the ground, we gonna have problems. Ran over to State Farm, make sure a house burning was covered in my insurance policy and all this good stuff. And then I was like, hey, let's do it. And the people we bought the house from, they were kind enough to stack logs up in the backyard that I guess they use for the fire. So I went and I grabbed some of those logs and I put it up just like, y'all, you know you could find out anything on YouTube? If you don't know how to start a fire, just YouTube, how to start a fire. There is a YouTube video on how to start a fire. So I went on there and I set my little fireplace up and stacked the logs the way that they had. And then they had these little uh, uh, pieces that would burn uh, faster and you'd stick them in the logs and all that. So I have it all ready and, and I light the fire. And the little pieces of fuel, they go ablaze and then they go to the logs, but the logs won't catch. And as soon as I lit it, within three minutes, it was out. And I lit it again, and three minutes later, it was out. Those of you that have fireplaces, you're like, because you're dumb. Because wood that's been sitting on the back step for two years in the rain and the snow and the termites, wet wood doesn't catch. Come on now. Wood is a fuel. If it's dry and it's flammable, however, if it's wet and, 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 and rotted out, chances are it's not going to burn much. I wonder how many of us are trying to have passion for God on wet revelation. I wonder how many of us are trying to have a passion for God based on something our grandma told us out of Scripture but we haven't actually chopped down anything new out of God's word for ourselves that can actually fuel the passion for God, what he is doing in our lives. There is a difference between information and revelation. And watch this. They're both in this book. You can read this and come away with information, and the information that you come away with will be factual, but it will not change your reality. You can come away with things from this book that are absolutely moral, absolutely true, and has absolutely nothing to do with you. Because the difference between information and revelation is what it does inside of you. You see, information simply tells you what's true and what's false. Revelation changes the way that you see reality. Reve the word reveal literally means I've seen something that I've never seen before. 
It's the revelations of God's word that fuels us and gives us a passion for all that he has for us. For example, the Bible says that, that healing is the children's bread. When the Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus and asked, can you heal my daughter? He said, no, 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 I, can't. I came for the Jews, not for you. And she, he said, healing is the children's bread. Somebody say that is factual. That is information, that the healing is the children's bread. But as I began to dive into God's word and said, hey, God, can you give me revelation to your word? Then all of a sudden I realized, hold on, bread is an imagery of healing in God's word. Because healing is the children's bread. Give us this day our daily bread. If healing is the children's bread and God said, when you pray, this is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily healing then all of a sudden I realize I don't just have access to healing when I'm sick. I have access to healing every single day because... And then as I begin to jump through Scripture, and I realize that God commanded in the Old Testament that there should always be fresh bread in the tabernacle, that there's fresh healing every single day that I'm pursuing God. And then I begin to think, hold on, the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they had nothing to eat and God sent them bread from heaven every single day. All of a sudden, I've caught this revelation with a virus swirling around me. There's healing that I have access to every single day. So the whiplashes of life are not able to steal my fervor and my passion for God because I have a revelation that's fueling me. Your passion for God will be predicated on the revelations that you live life from. What vantage point do you live life from? From the reality of what you see around you or from the revelation that God has given you in his word? John chapter 1 verse 14 says this, and the word became flesh. So many people are walking around with a word that's a word. The goal of the word was never that the word would stay a word because there's words in the Webster Dictionary and there's words in the Washington Post. And there are words in Shakespeare and words and all these, there's words everywhere. I'm looking for a word that can become alive, that can become flesh and make his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I'm not just looking for a word to fuel my life. I'm working, looking for a word that I can see come to pass in my life. You may have heard me say this before, but I have a question for you. Not how much of the Bible do you have memorized, but how much of God's word can you point to in your life? You see where it says that there? That's where he did it in my life. And you see where he says that? That's where. <laughs> Second thing is this. Fuel runs out. When I finally got the right wood and threw it in that fireplace and I lit it, it burned for like 45 minutes. It's a lot better than three minutes. We're making progress. But watch this. Even right wood burns out. 
Because the purpose of that word is not just to sit there. I was supposed to say wood, but I said word, and it just worked out perfectly. But the purpose of that wood, come on, Baltimore, was to produce passion. So in order for the passion to be produced, the wood had to be consumed. The same thing with the revelation that you have. In order for passion to be produced, that revelation is consumed and coming to life and producing something in your life. Fuel runs out. I, I, I have driven multiple what I call character building cars. There are beautiful cars, there are amazing cars, and then there are character building cars. They're faith builders. It's the type of car that increases your prayer language. Because every time you go to start it, before you start it with the key, you start it with prayer. Lord Jesus, please help this car start. Come on now. Especially it's winter outside, Jesus. You could, and you put that key in. You know you're late. <laughs> you know you got to go. <laughs> God, do you love me? And then you turn the car on and it increases your praise life because every time that engine turns on, you lift your hands unto God and you say, God, you're good. God, you're great. You are Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, and Jehovah Mechanic. We are thankful that you are the God. I, I, I've driven cars that, that, that the dashboard looks like a Christmas tree. You'll need Christmas lights. Just look at the dashboard of my car. There were so many lights on. And it would always get on my nerve when some passenger, I'd give somebody a ride that didn't know how to mind their own business. <laughs> yeah, you got people like that, they get up in your car, like the check engine light is on. Thank you. The tire pressure light is on. Appreciate that. Captain Obvious. Is that the, do you have a car? Why are you in mine? Just feel the need to let you know about everything that is wrong with <laughs> However, the worst vehicle I had, I had a car with a gas leak. How do you leak gas? Like, that is the most basic. Like, just hold it. Just come on now. Let it be a carburetor. Let it be bald joints or something. It leaked gas. And here's the thing. For a year and a half of driving this car, I didn't know I had a gas leak. So I'm filling the car up on Monday. It's supposed to get me till Friday, but by Wednesday, I find myself at a gas station. And I'm just like, is this thing, I mean, it wasn't an SUV, it was a six-cylinder sedan. I'm just like, what in the world is going on? I was putting fuel in, not realizing that there was a leak to the fuel that I had. So many people, Pastor, I'm reading the word, I'm reading the word, I'm catching revelation, but I'm not having a passion or a fervor or an excitement for God. Chances are there's a leak in your line. Chances are there's some area in your life where that passion is disseminating and not causing fuel for the purpose that God has for you. I'll give it to you this way. Any area of your life that is not God's best has the potential to leak your passion. And just because we all live under guilt and condemnation, let me help you out, I'm not talking about sin. It's not necessarily something that you're doing wrong or ungodly. For example, sickness can be a leak of passion. Hear me, if you've ever really been sick, 
or had a loved one that's sick. And I can't really talk about it because my wife says when I get a cold, I act like a three-year-old. No, not three, at least five. I'm at least five. I don't, I don't, I don't do well with sickness. If you've ever had like a season or a storm of sickness that you've gone through or walked a loved one through, you know it's difficult to put a smile on your face. It's difficult just to get dressed and to kind of take care of people around you. And, life, and without even realizing it's a potential for your passion, forget for God, just for life to leak. A financial crisis can be a leak of passion, a relational crisis. Here's the thing. It's not the health, it's not the money, and it's not the relationship. It's our perspective. We begin to say things like, I can't take this much longer. Or think things like, God, I thought you would have dealt with this by now. And because the enemy is evil and wicked and he's always lurking to make sure that he can destroy your destiny, he begins to whisper in your ear how it's your fault. You brought this on yourself. You mismanaged this. You mismanaged that. And without even realizing, it's like you're reading God's word, but it's not bringing a fervor and a hunger and a desperation and a passion. Here's why, because there's a leak, and until you fix the leak, pouring fuel in is not going to do much help. In that house that we bought, I mentioned that it was 22 years old, and it was beautiful. It was amazing. It is. We're still there. We're grateful for it, but I think we a little bit got hustled. You know, when you buy a house, you do the walkthrough right before you go to closing just to make sure everything that you asked them to do is done. And we walked through, and y'all, we were so excited. The moving truck was at our other place, packed up. We were ready to go. We walked through the house. It was in tip-top shape. Hear me, not one thing wrong with the house. We go to closing. We sign the closing papers. And then the moving truck was going to meet us at the house. So we went to closing, we signed, we came right back. We were only gone for maybe an hour. Somebody say one hour. Yo, we get back to that house. One, we got hustled. One hour, there's a leak in the basement. And not like on the floor, in the storage room, where it's just on the concrete. I'm talking about in the roof of the basement, through the drywall, whole puddle of water, drywall ruin, carpet ruin. An hour. Don't buy houses with Pastor Stephen. You will get hustled. So it doesn't matter what we poured into those pipes. Because there was a leak in it, one weak spot, everything that was poured in leaked out. And here's what they had to do. They had to cut that pipe in the area that it was leaking. And they had to put a new piece of piping in to reinforce the area of weakness. Question for you, where are you leaking faith? Where are you leaking passion? Where is it that it keeps on coming up over and over and over again? This seems to be the place that pulls me into discouragement the most. This seems to be the place that pulls me into frustration the most. This seems to be the place that takes me out the most. 
I, I, I was listening to uh, Elder Terry from I-5 City Church that was leading prayer this week, and she said, one of the things that we have to understand about our faith is it's chess, not checkers. It's a little bit more strategic than we think it is. It's a little bit more intentional than we think it is. And here we are living life just, yeah, it's all the way good, waking up, going about my business, not understanding that we have an enemy who roams around like a roaring lion looking to seem who he may devour. If you look at the life of Job, the enemy literally attacked Job. But he didn't just attack him head on. He looked for those places of weakness. He said, I know it's Job's wealth that is his area of weakness. Let me attack that. No, no, it's Job's kids. Let me attack that. No, it's Job's health. Let me attack. If the enemy were to attack you, where would he attack? If he knew that you had a soft spot, an area in your life that made you not really want to believe God, an area of your life that, that kind of just pulled you into depression, anxiety, fear, and worry, where would it be? Because I'm going to tell you, if I were an enemy, that's where I would come in. But as he was attacking Job, everywhere he went, he found that Job had built himself up in his faith. Isaiah 59, 19 says this, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. Why? Because when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Simple question. We're going to land this plane. How well do you know yourself? How well do you know your weaknesses? And are you being intentional about building up your faith in the area where your passion for God is most likely to leak? How do I build my faith? Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Some of us, just like they do down south when a hurricane is coming, you ever seen in Florida and they're boarding up their windows and they're putting wood over everything because they know that a storm is coming. Some of us need to understand that there's areas in our life that if a storm hit, it would hit our marriage or it would hit our faith or it would hit this or that. And we need to begin to board up our faith in that area. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15, it says, casting down arguments at every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Here's what most of us do with negative thoughts. We push them away. That's a neg. I don't think that I have enough for this next promotion. Let me just push back that fear. I don't think that I'm going to be able to live in hell for the rest of my life because this disease runs in my family. Let me just ignore it and push it back. But the Bible never said to ignore it. The Bible never said to, it actually said, grab it and take hold of it. it went, that's actually opposite to human nature. Human nature is every negative thought. We push it, we ignore it, we run from it, and if we can't do that, drink something that makes you forget about it. Hmm? God says, no, 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 grab it. Take it captive and make it obedient to God's word. So here's what I need to do. I need to figure out what the prevailing negative thoughts in my life are. This week got real practical. Y'all write a whole lot of stuff down. 
And I need to write them down. Not ignore them. Not try to push them back at that fear, anxiety. No, I need to write it down. And then I need to dive into God's word and say, Holy Spirit, give me a revelation that will hold this thought captive for the rest of my life. Last thing is this, and you can write this down. Fuel must be refilled. Even after you've patched up all the leaks, you gotta refill that fuel. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 says this, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. This passage is talking about, hey, life is going to play wipeout with you sometimes. It's going to send you some curves. It's going to jerk you to the left and then swing you off to the right to see that if you can get thrown into the neighbor's yard. But it says what God is giving you is unshakable. Yeah. Oh, if we had time to preach that. Which means that things that are falling off of my life, they must not be God. Because the things that God's given me can't be shaken. So even though I really valued that relationship, if it got shaken off last year, it must not have been God's best for my life. And even though I really enjoyed the job that I was working at, if it got shaken off last year, it must not have been God's best for my life because he's, what he's given me is unshakable. Watch this. It says, for our God is a Consuming fire. Hmm. Didn't say that God is like fire. It says God is fire. So when I'm talking about passion for God, fervor for God, that I'm on fire for God, it's not passion, it's God. It's how much residence does he have in my life? How, how much control, how, how much freedom? We were singing at the beginning of worship or, or at the end, Holy Spirit, fill this room, fill this room. And I always like to change the words to the song, not fill the room, but fill this room. Because this is the house that God desires to fill, not this one. But for some of us, we don't realize that God is in us, but he's locked in the basement. God's in us, but we keep him in the garage. God's in us, but... I was about to say something ignorant. Like that child that embarrasses you, you don't let them come out when guests come around. Like, no, that's all right. No one's here. You can stay upstairs. God says, no, 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 I'm a consuming fire. I want free access to every room, every area, every space in your life. The fire needs fuel. That fuel is the word of God. Psalm 119.11 says this, your word have I hid in my heart. God, that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's a consuming fire. Fire can only burn if it has fuel. 
The fuel that God needs to burn in my life is his word. So as I'm continuing to bring revelation into my life, God's ability to consume and to have free reign in my thoughts, my actions, and all that I am. So it must be that the God in me wants more word in me. So here's a nice, real practical ending to the message. How intentional are you about refueling? Every time the little e-light goes on in your car, you go to a gas station. What happens when that e-light is on in your soul? Do you understand, hey, I'm running a little low on revelation right now. I'm running a little low on God's word. Hear me. If you're not really excited to wake up in the morning and to worship God, it's not about what life is going on around you. It's about the fuel on the inside of you. We're still taking notes in class? Three things to write down. Pick a specific time and place daily. If I'm going to refuel with God's word, it has to be intentional. Not just I'll catch it when I catch it. What if you break down on the spiritual road before you get to church on Sunday? No, no, no. I, I need a space every single day and a specific time. Make an appointment with God. If you and your friend said, hey, we're going to go hang out, grab some food, you know, like we used to do before the pandemic. You're not going to set a time and place and then not show up because that's rude. You're going to be there. Set a time and place for God and show up. And don't show up half asleep, hair all tied up, boogies in your eyes, looking like you ain't about to catch no revelation. No, I'm, I'm here and I'm ready. Second thing, pick a specific Bible reading plan. In your prayer guide, in the back of it, there's actually a Bible plan that'll help you read through God's word in one year. Six chapters a day, it'll take about 15 minutes. And I'm gonna unpack God's word looking for the revelations that he has for me. Find a Bible that you can understand. Some of us, we have these big old Bibles that make us feel spiritual, but other than spitting on ourselves, we have no idea what's going on. Thy Lord, thou hast given me this glory and hath bestowed it Upon my continents. What? Did you a Bible you can understand? God, your face of favor shines upon me. NIV or the NLT or the New King James or whichever. The last thing is this. Spend time worshiping. Spend time reading. And spend time in prayer. Every single day, I'm going to set an appointment with God. I'm going to find a specific place where I won't be interrupted. I'm going to spend some time just telling God how awesome he is, inviting his presence into my life. I'm going to spend some time opening his word and looking for revelation, not for information, just to have verses memorized. But God, what does this have to do with me and how does it come real in my life? And then I'm going to spend some time intentionally marching through God's word, not landing on my favorite verse every single day. But God, you have revelation for me in every book and in every chapter. And I'm going to be intentional. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in God's word. And on his word, he meditates day and night. Here's what he says. He said, you're going to be like a tree. Coincidentally, that's what you use for firewood. 
firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruits in season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Hey, you want to win at everything you do? Pastor, that sounds idealistic. No, it's biblical. You make your delight God's word. He he promised you will progress, you will prosper in everything that you do. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful for an opportunity, God, to receive from your word. God, we're praying that it just wouldn't stay at a place of information, but that that word would become flesh, that it would become alive. God, I'm praying right now for every single person under the sound of my voice, even in these few minutes that we've had together to unpack your word. God, I'm praying that it would cause an ignition in our heart. God, I'm praying for those of us, God, that may have been lukewarm or apathetic right now, God, that you would stir our passion, our hunger, God, our desperation for you. Just where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. The Bible says that Jesus is the word. He became flesh and came to earth, walked on this earth as a man, hung on a cross and gave his life. So that every sin, every mistake that we've ever committed could be erased and covered by the word of God. So before you can accept the Bible verse or a revelation, you have to accept the word himself, which is Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in this room, maybe you're watching online or in Baltimore, and if you were to be honest, you, you believe in God, but you've never received him in your life. You've never allowed him to be the controller, the Lord of your life. The Bible says that is the moment that salvation comes when you surrender to him. So if you say, hey, Pastor, I can't say that I've ever given Jesus access to my house, access to my life, but I want to right now. That's you. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for leaving heaven, coming to earth to die just for me. I cannot even comprehend that level of love. But today, I receive it. I ask that you would come into my life. I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord and my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever? Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.